Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. All right, here is part two of my interview with Vinny Tortoridge, and where we talk about um, the high fat diet and what does that really mean. So, this is part two of our interview. High fat diet. What kind of fats does that mean? It means a lot of different kinds of fats. Um, you know, for a vegan, obviously it means that you're going to be getting fat in a very boring way. You're going to be taking in coconut oils, um, fat from nuts. Um, you're going to be taking in you know, avocados and olives and eating olive oil and any other kind of oil you can get in you. Wait, 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 wait. What about vegetable oils, the omega-6s? Well, you mean like cheap vegetable oil? Yeah, like yeah, like no, safflower, I'm, I'm, sunflower, soybean I'm not, oil. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of those, to be honest, yeah. at all, because um, they don't have enough omega threes. You know, I always believe in bang for your buck. Um, olive oil is a bang for your buck oil. Um, uh, uh, coconut oil is a bang for your buck oil. Uh, you know, there's some other great oils, grapeseed oil, and a few of these different oils. Um, they they have a price to them. But hey, if you want to be a vegan, you got to pay the price. Well, so one thing I want to clarify, because uh, a long time ago, I interviewed Melanie Warner. And um, she, I can't remember the name of her book, but it's fast. I think it's Fast Food Nation, How Processed Foods Has Changed America. But she has a, a really good section in there about soybean oils and all these omega-6 vegetable oils. And one of the things that they do, I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, is that they can interfere with thyroid and there can be, and it's also not good for your cardiovascular health. So um, that's just where I want to clarify with people who are thinking, oh, well, Vinny said I can eat a high fat diet so I can just go um, eat these potato chips. That's not what you're talking about. Oh, God, no. And, you know, a lot of people get that wrong. They think, oh, well, I, I could go to McDonald's and eat that junk. No, this is not that. Um, can you have hamburger? Yes, but it has to be good quality meat. It can't be fast food junk. That stuff is full of preservatives. It's full of bad stuff. Um, no, we're talking about people think, oh, these high fat people are just sitting around eating bacon and laughing at the rest of us as the gristle runs down their chin. That's not what we're talking about at all. Um, when we talk about fat and good quality fats, we're talking about, you know, good meat. We're talking about good bacon, which means you're not going to be buying the stuff in the grocery store. You're going to have to go to a butcher to get it. Um, you know, I use heavy whipping cream. You know, we use butter. But it doesn't mean that you could just sit there and go, oh, Vinny told me I could go hog wild with the butter. You know, uh, I think sometimes uh, Jimmy Moore gets a bad rap for that because he's like, butter, 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 have more butter. And. It's not just about sitting around eating butter or being in dietary ketosis, you know. It's okay to be in dietary ketosis if that's what you want to do, but it's not the end-all and be-all, and I'll be the first to admit that. 
Did I answer your question? No, did you, I sidestep it? No, you answered the question. So I think that's really important. You're talking about good quality fats, you know, and that was, so it's not about going and, hey, I'm going to eat McDonald's or I'm going to eat potato chips. It's good quality fats, like you had mentioned, avocados, nuts, olive oils, using butter. Um, what you said whipped cream, would that be like whole fat dairy then also as well? Yeah. Um, the problem with whole fat dairy, that sounds like an article. The problem with whole fat dairy <laughs> Is that it's hard to get whole milk anymore. Even whole milk is only usually 4% milk fat, um, which I don't know why they're cutting it down like that. Um, even when I make my cappuccinos at home, because I'm that kind of snooty, um, I add heavy whipping cream to the milk to make it, you know, if it wasn't so cheap, I'd buy half and half also. But, you know, I add actual fat to that when I have my cappuccino. Wow! So you so you make you do whole milk and a cappuccino or, and and heavy whipping cream. Yeah, you can't put too much heavy whipping cream because it, it won't froth up. Uh huh. But I I try to put enough to strike a balance. <laughs> so and this is for some listeners out there, right? Like I'm used to this this kind of talk, but some of the listeners out there are going to be stunned that here you're saying that this is the way that we can actually lose weight. Yeah. And, and by the way, they, they can go, as you know, Corin, I have nothing but free information out there. Um, they could go, can I say my website? Is that okay? I'll put the link on. Yeah. But it's the angry, it's vinnytortorich.com. Yeah. You, yeah. You go to vinnytortorich.com and we literally have a frequently asked questions. Uh, I don't think it's called frequently asked questions. I think it's called something like, um, what to do or how to do it, or let me see. If yeah, I can you, find yeah, it. you have an FAQ. It's an yeah, FAQ. it's an FAQ, but it's like it's under uh, what is an SNG, you know. And you could go there, and we literally tell you which old podcast to go back to to kind of you know wet your whistle on an SNG and how to do it. And um, you know, we have a, we have an NSNG book club where you can find those Gary Taubes books and. Um, you, you can find, you know, Grain Brain and uh, uh, the Walls Protocol and all the books we recommend, you know, um, we and, and it's all for free. We it's just a big giant thing where anyone who wants to get in shape does not have to give me one dime. You could go get it all for free right on my site. But he would ask for an iTunes rating, please. <laughs> yes, I'll take an <laughs> iTunes rating. Please give me an iTunes rating. Yeah. And, and that's the other, you know, here's the other thing. And. Again, I'm not advertising this, but we decided at one point to put up a thing where people can actually call me. Mm -hmm. And I tried, I, I keep the calls as low price as possible because I can only do a couple a day. But we even do that. You know, fans, huge fans of the show who think I'm a big deal, they can't believe that, you know, for X amount of money, they could get me on the phone and learn the same information that celebrities get to learn. And I thought no one was going to like buy into that. I have people who literally call me once and twice a month and they've been doing it for, you know, for the past year, mm -hmm. which I find shocking. And, you know, I've become friends with some of these people. Like Don Coddington. Don Coddington is one of my best buddies now. <laughs> As a matter of fact, he's, uh, he's been over to the house. I, I, that's right, Corinne. I invite fans <laughs> over to the house. And he and I are going to take a desert trip. We're, we're going to take an <laughs> off-road trip to um, uh, Death Valley at the end of October, we're going to do an off-road four-wheel drive trip. And my girlfriend, Don Coddington's coming along. <laughs> so let's go back. So you talked about 
the with the women the Hollywood actresses, but you talked about another area that I really want to hit upon. And it was with the athletes because my background was, I was a swimmer and then I was a collegiate swimmer. And then um, I, I've coached college and right now I run a youth program. And, you know, one of the big things that we have, I mean, I have been told this forever, you know, it's about sports nutrition. It's about replenishing your uh, glycogen levels within 30 minutes after practice and not bonking and stuff. And so, and then hearing this stuff about fat adaptive and I'm looking at our swimming world going, hmm, what really is the best form of nutrition to fuel our athletes? And what do you have to say to that from what you know now? Uh, the, the way we do it is <clears throat> kind of interesting. Uh, we don't say no sugar because in order to hit that, that fifth gear, and, and as an athlete, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, your body will need some sugar. The, the fat just kind of falls short at that point. But we're talking red line. So if someone's doing a 50 meter, then, you know, they would be better off taking a shot of some kind. You know, you could just shoot a, just a shot of honey before you jump into the water. If you're fat adapted, that honey is going to feel like an unfair advantage, literally. Um, if, you're, um, if you're someone... So if you're training, so I get right. that in the racing part, but how do you train for that? I mean, because like when I talk with swim coaches and we talk about this, there's been some arguments because it's so ingrained, right? The sports drinks and the carbo loading that when, when there's any discussion points about fat adaptive, they say swimming is a power sport. There's, you cannot do that. I mean, that's, that's been the resistance that I've gotten when I've brought up this. So I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. Well, all right. An example on your distance, folks, you know, those people, if they were fat adapted, they could go all day long. If they're not hitting fourth or fifth gear, meaning if they're not redlining their, mm -hmm. their cardio system, they can literally go all day long on just running on fat if they were fat adapted. Uh, so, so think about our, in swimming, distance would be 500 yards to a mile. Right. So, I mean, those, those are still, so you're talking about, a race. I mean, collegiate women would be under five minutes to, gosh, uh, maybe 16 minutes in the mile. So those are still relatively short races. The problem with swimming is you can't take anything in while you're racing. Mm -hmm. And that is a problem. Um, you know, you have to kind of take in what you're going to take in before you get in the water. Mm -hmm. uh, but if those people were training on less sugar, their bodies would learn how to utilize fat to where when they took that hit of sugar right before they got in the water, or if they even, if they glycogen loaded mm -hmm. right before they got in the water, their bodies would use that in a much better fashion than if they wouldn't. Uh, case, there's case studies now, um, and these, these studies aren't exactly all out yet, but Zach Bitters and, mm -hmm. uh, and some of these guys, they've been in Dr. Finney's uh, lab where you know, and the and, and by the way, Zach Bitter is, is a national champion. Twelve hour, you know, he he has the twelve hour national record for running. This is where someone runs around a track for twelve hours, mm -hmm. and he's done it faster than anyone else, and he's done it fat adapted, and he probably takes in about a hundred calories of sugar per hour in the form of I think a gel. Um, and and to give people perspective, so when you were using more sugars, how many calories of sugar were you taking in per hour? At least 300. So this is a reduction then? 
Oh, way, way, way huge. That's why we call it a sugar trickle. Mm -hmm. Because you can literally, um, I've done it now where I don't like spending all that money on gels mm -hmm. because it's nothing but sugar and a cellophane and, and an aluminum package. So what we do is I'll just go out and buy a, a, a pack of Lifesavers and uh, just stick one in my mouth and just let it trickle for a while. Uh, and that does the trick. Okay. That's so, That's it. So now with the training, because swimmers train, you know, to probably about two, two and a half hours, right, right at a time. And so, you know, the, the concern has always been, oh, you're going to deplete your glycogen and you're going to bonk. When, so are you saying that when they train, they be, can, um, they can just keep running, excuse me, when they become fat adaptive, they can train and then not bonk during their training uh, practices? Yeah, a bonk becomes a thing that's not even possible anymore when your body's running on fat. And there's a product out there, and I don't endorse it on my show. Mm -hmm. uh, I do talk. I, I endorse mm -hmm. it in the fact that I talk about it. I don't take a dime from these people. Um, it's actually a, a, a grain. It's a super starch called UCAN. Um, as you know, Meb uh, just won the Boston Marathon on UCAN. Um, I used uh, UCAN to go up and down uh, Mount Whitney last year. That was a 14-hour trek. And I ate some eggs and bacon and camped that morning at about 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I took one bottle of UCAN. Probably there was two packets of UCAN in there. And I put some, uh, I put, I think, a scoop of protein, you know, powdered protein, which I'm not a real fan of. And I also put some coconut oil. And I came back with half of a bottle left. I literally did the entire mountain on my own body fat for 14 hours. And how was your performance compared to previously? I don't know if you can compare it, but compared to previously when you were not fat adaptive. Well, we moved at a good pace. Uh, Serena, uh, my better half, who is a marathoner, was with me. And we had a buddy who was a mountain climber also. Um, we decided not to go for some kind of record because Serena had never climbed before like that. And she was worried about, you know, any kind of ledges and this and that and the whole thing. So we took our time. Um, could I have done as well if, uh, we were hammering the whole way? I'm not quite sure. I would have had to have taken in more calories. Um, I did have a few packets of goo type stuff with me. Uh, for as a just-in-case, mm -hmm. in case we decided to go hard for like an hour up the switchbacks or something. But I never went to it. I never needed it. Never thought about it. Mm -hmm. It never occurred to me that I would need that. And on the way down, even though we did a lot of jogging on the way down, I uh, still didn't need it. So was this hard for you to make this switch? Because like I remember when I was in college, so it was the 90s, the early 90s. And sports nutritionists or, you know, from people from campus would come and talk to the teams. And, you know, back then it was just more concerned about women getting fat, right? Um, right. And versus how to properly fuel. But uh, there was the whole fat-free craze. And then actually um, my junior year in college, one of our assistant coaches was a former alum of our team, but her husband is D uh, Dave Scott, the like seven times, sure. you know, Iron Man. And um, so I know Dave and Anna really well, and she was my coach and stuff. And, and I remember being at her house, and she was really pushing big into, oh, you need to eat pierogies and don't put any sauce on it because you want it to be, you know, fat-free or, or just make sure you limit the sauce. And um, 
and uh, be careful with the cheese and, you know, not. And so for so long, I was really programmed. It's got to be low fat. It's got to be low fat. It's got to be low fat. And we've got a carbo load, carbo load. So changing my way of thinking and looking at the research and, and seeing that there's a different way has really, you know, it's been a process for me. What, what about for you? Because you've been in this, you know, a lot longer than I have. Well, you know, it's funny because I was watching Dave Scott and, um, you know, we, we've had um, Mark Allen, yep. Mark Allen on the show, I think three times now. Um, <clears throat> and the bottom line is, is that was just a protocol back then. And I, yeah, it, it was, if the question is, was it tough for me? The answer is yes. Um, but I also had that knowledge that fat does work. I, I, I've never been fat phobic. You know, I've never been afraid of eating things with fat, having a big steak or putting butter on things. Uh, as a matter of fact, I always felt better when I ate that way. So I always knew that it was the right thing to do. But yeah, you know, we used to do a thing, and and I know you did it back in the 90s, where, and by the way, this, this was a, a big key for me for why, you know, fat adaptive stuff could work. Uh, whenever you would taper for a big race, whether it was running or cycling or anything, we would literally, let's say the race was on a Saturday. Starting on Tuesday, we would stop eating any carbs whatsoever. Remember those days? No. You car- carb deplete? Or was that more of an 80s thing? <laughs> that was never in swimming. We did carbo loading, so you'd have pasta parties the night before the meet. <laughs> oh, but here's what we would do. We would literally carb deplete. So if the race was Saturday, like on Monday or Tuesday, you would start carb depleting and you would literally go into a fog where some days you couldn't even get out of bed. You would literally be in the fog. You could barely walk. You would get really weak. But whoever carb depleted the best would end up doing the best. So you would do that until Friday morning. And Friday morning, you would just start eating potatoes and pasta and potatoes and pasta and rice. And did I mention pasta and potatoes? <laughs> and the idea was, you know, after this big depletion that you, your, your, your body can now hold more carbohydrates in store. Which is ridiculous because your body can only hold so much carbohydrate anyway. You can only have so much in your blood. Just because you depleted it for a whole week doesn't mean that now you can like, your body will be overrun with it. But hey, we thought that and I did it for years. And that was a, that was a trickery thing that we all did. But nobody, you didn't even hear of it. Nobody even does it anymore. No one even knows what it is. And I know that when someone hears this, they're going to go try it. They will try this. Mm-hmm. Just the way people are. <laughs> when you say they will try this, they mean the NSNG they're going to try? No, they're going to try the, oh, maybe he's onto something. Maybe maybe he missed. Maybe maybe we should carb deplete and then take in extra carbs. You know, it, you got to, you know, 30 years of being in this business, I've seen it all come and go a thousand times. Literally. Oh, okay. So let's get to NSNG, which is no sugars, no grains, right? And I know you're an anti-fad nutrition guy. So is NSNG, is that a fad? No, because it's not a diet. You know, I, I make it very plain and simple in the show all the time that this is not a diet and it's not a fad. It's not, you know, we call it a lifestyle. 
And I know that can that that's douche worthy, but you know what else are you going to call it? Um, and here's why it's not a fad. Uh, I I don't allow people to get carb phobic. So people will say to me, "Well, wait a minute, no sugars, no grains." I love sushi. You're telling me I can never have sushi again? No, enjoy sushi, but it's got rice. That's a grain. Yeah, enjoy your sushi. Do you eat sushi at every meal? Well, no, I eat sushi every other week. Enjoy your sushi. <laughs> My birthday comes up. Are you telling me I can't have birthday cake? No. As a matter of fact, I would tell you to have a double helping of birthday cake and put ice cream on it. But wait a minute. That's got sugars and it's nothing but grains. Yeah, but it's your birthday. You know? It, we're not talking about what you eat between Christmas and New Year's here. We're talking about what you eat between New Year's and Christmas. You know, it's not about the occasional glass of wine. It's not about the occasional, oh, my God, this is the best lasagna in the world. You got to try it. Uh, I was just in New York uh, uh, about a month ago um, because my uh, my Audible book was up for Audible Book of the Year. <laughs> just thought I'd mention that. Fitness Confidential. Anyway, um, I was there with the great Dean Laurie, and, you know, we went to the best pizza place in the world. Guess what I had? I had pizza, and it was delicious. And by the way, I would never get Domino's pizza, and I would never get the junky uh, Pizza Hut pizza. But when you in, you're in New York, you're at the place that invented pizza, I'm going to have the world's best piece of pizza. You okay. know, how can that be a fad? Well, so what I like, and that's something I really like about your message, right? Because you, one of the things you say, and this is, I think, key, is enjoy it. Because so often people, like in the work that I do, people will eat it, but they'll eat it behind their backs because they have so much shame and guilt about it. But you're saying enjoy it because usually when you enjoy it, you're like, oh, that was good. That was satisfying. I'm done. And then you don't have to have it at every single meal. It's my experience is, and with the people I work with is that when they don't enjoy it, that's when they want, they become, you know, where they want to binge on it, where they always want to have it all the time. And so you know, again, I think that key differential for the work that you do and your message is enjoy the food, wouldn't you say? I think that's a thousand percent right. You know, doing this for as long as I've been doing it and not doing anything else for a living <clears throat> has kind of put me in a position to watch what people do. Um, so when people go, how do you know all this stuff? It's like, because this is all I've ever done. And the bottom line is, you know, I've known women and I'm saying women because I've never had a man tell me this. Maybe, actually, actually once or twice. Maybe once. Maybe never. I'll think about that. Okay. I've had women tell me that they've literally been on diets. And they'll go out to dinner and in front of their friends, they will eat whatever that diet is. Hey, I'm on the Cambridge diet or I'm on the cabbage soup diet or I'm on the this wacky or that wacky diet. And then they'll go home. On the way home, they'll stop at, at, at the grocery store and pick up a half gallon of ice cream and one of those Interman rolls. And they'll go home and they'll just start binging secretly mm -hmm. until they get so disgusted with themselves that they will take the remainder of it, throw it in a trash can, and then like pour common on top of it. So that they don't go into the garbage can and scoop it out. Mm -hmm. Think about that. And then I've actually had women tell me that They've literally gone back to the garbage can and kind of briced off, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the cleanser and ate what was behind it anyway 
standing over the garbage can. You tell me where the problem is. No, but see, so with, with the work that I do and that emotional side of eating, a lot of it is because like, you know, when they go on these diets, like they have to do it perfectly, right? They have to follow this blueprint or this plan or the eight steps and then they can't do it because it's not sustainable. And then they feel tremendous shame because they're not doing it perfectly, right? Well, shame creates a lot of disconnection. And then there's that self-hatred that you were talking about in the previous podcast. And it's this downward spiral. And that's why I think it's so important to like learn how to enjoy food and, and to be able to taste it and eat it and have that experience because then you become satisfied and you don't want to be eating that stuff all day long. Or you also don't want to eat like the the crappy piece of pizza, you want a really good piece of pizza or a couple slices of pizza, you know, and because you want the stuff that tastes really good and not the bad stuff. What do you, th- what do you say to that, Vinny? You know, I wrote about that in my best-selling book, Fitness Confidential, <laughs> which is also out for an award on positive. <laughs> Go get the book. Um, I actually wrote something about that. Uh, you know, we're the only animal in the animal kingdom that thinks it's a good day when you don't get enough to eat. <laughs> you know, think about that. You know, it, you know, and the, the the thing I used in a book is like, you know, can you imagine a lion going back to its cubs and going, "Hey, kids, great news! I didn't kill a gazelle today. We all get to starve." That does not fly anywhere <laughs> else in the animal kingdom except with humans. <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? No, it is when you, put, especially when you put it in those terms. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a joke that used to go around Beverly Hills um, where, you know, this, uh, because Beverly Hills, all these women are so concerned about, you know, pumping their lips up and, you know, looking perfect and being perfectly thin. And the, the old joke was, and it probably won't be funny anymore because this is 20 years old now, but, you know, a, a streetwalker walks up to a socialite in Beverly Hills and says, holds their hand out and says, I haven't had anything to eat in three days. And the socialite says, braggart. <laughs> but you know, there's a real truth behind that. No, know? there is. Think about what we're doing, people. It's t- it makes no sense. It well, literally makes no sense. Well, you know, it kills me when I'll go out to eat with friends or I'll hear, you know, just people talking and then kids especially. But, oh, I was good today right? Because I didn't eat this or I, you know, stuck within my caloric plan that I was supposed to eat. And, oh, I was bad today, right? And and putting those kind of judgments on themselves because they followed somebody else's plan instead of listening to their body and nourishing their body for the needs that their body needed. That kind of stuff really drives me crazy. Oh, it, it could drive anyone crazy, but that's what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, they literally make weightless, weight loss pills that you take in order to make you not want to eat. That's crazy. Think about that. So, and one of the things, I want to strike this, it seems so commonsensical, but is that you can eat and be at a healthy weight for your body. That's that, isn't that your part of your message? Yeah, you know, I never skip a meal and... You know, at 52 years old, I'm, you know, six feet tall and I weigh 170 pounds. And I never skip a meal. I'm never hungry. And most people around me would say he eats like a horse. And by the way, if you think I'm one of those lucky people who are naturally lean, think again. Because right after college football, 
I kept eating all the, you know, the crappy carbs and, you know, carving up all the time and doing all the stuff you do for football. And I went from, at the time when I played football, I was more muscled up. I weighed probably 220. I went from a, a lean 220 to 270 pounds seemingly overnight. Wow. And, you know, um, I talk about that in the book. You know, it's like I, I sat around at first, you know, I, I called my friend Janie Friedland because, you know, she was in one of those Jewish sororities and Jewish sorority girls, they used to, they know, they, as I thought, knew more about losing weight than anything. And I said, Janie, how do you girls lose weight? And she said, well, two ways. Some girls do the Coke diet. I said, oh, when they drink Coke? She goes, no, they do Coke. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, I'm not going to do that. And I said, what else? She goes, well, you could do the tab. Do you even remember the drink tab? I remember the drink tab, yes. For, for all you young folks out there, it was, a, it was before Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi. It was the original diet soft drink. And it was made by the Coca-Cola company. And it was called Tab. And it was marketed towards women because the, the packaging was all pink. So I would, uh, she goes, you could do the uh, Dexatrim tab diet. And I said, what's that? She goes, well, you take Dexatrim and then you just drink tabs all day and you won't be hungry. So I went out and bought a six pack of tab, which looked really weird because a really big guys in a, you know, the grocery store buying tab. And I was doing that thing, you know, explaining to the checkout girl that it was for my girlfriend. <laughs> You know, like it was like I was buying tampons or something, you know, it's, you know, I had to explain I wasn't going to drink the tabs. And so I took two Dexatrim, even though I said on the packaging, take one, I took two and I soaked it down using a tab right there in the parking lot. And by the time I got home, I was jumping out of my skin and I called Janie and she said, well, that's the way you're supposed to feel. And I said, well, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> So I decided to give all my tabs away to Janie, and I literally threw away the Dexatrim. I didn't think anyone should ever take this product. And then I went to the same grocery store I was at earlier, and I bought every magazine that taught you how to lose 10 pounds in 10 minutes, right? I came home. I started reading those articles and every article I read flew in the face of what I was learning in a medical university. And I, that's when I went, wait a minute, these magazines are all wrong. There's a different way. And that's when I started playing around with how to lose weight and quickly learned that by eating less carbohydrates and letting my body naturally burn its own fat was the way to go. So it sounds like that's when you started, instead of looking for the experts, you started going, hey, where, what information can I get out there and then test it out and see what makes sense instead of just taking something for granted from what somebody else says or is written? Well, you got to remember, <clears throat> back in the early 1980s, the fitness industry wasn't what it is today. So it wasn't like I was even considering going into the fitness world, if you will. I was just interested in me losing weight. And I just started, you know, experimenting on myself and talking to my professors. I was also the assistant strength coach at Tulane. They hired me uh, after football to be the assistant strength coach. And uh, I continued my education there. Um, so I had a major medical university behind me where I had all of this information at my fingertips. 
I got to read about that German woman you were talking about from the, the 1940s mm-hmm. or the 1930s. I can't, what was the name? Ingrid or? I, I don't remember the name, but. Inga or Ingrid, da, da, da. Uh, you know, can, are you impressed that I remember that? I, was I am. I, well, well, I'm impressed that you remember the name because I know how you are with names. So, yeah, I, yeah <laughs> especially women's names. I call everyone Pumpkin and Tootsie Pop. So let's call her Tootsie Pop from Germany. Um, but, uh, you know, I would read all of those studies in, in the Beaumont study. And, you know, all of that stuff was available to me back in the early, in, you know, what what happened with the the, uh, the, the people, the, the, the hunting tribes in, in North America. And, you know, all of that stuff was available. It wasn't out there because we had no Google back then. I was living in a place that was, I was Googling, if you will. You know, I was talking to the professors and reading the studies and they were all very boring to read. But, you know, and, and of course, I would read the Ansel Keys stuff and I didn't look at it and go, oh, bull. You know, I looked at it and literally went, well, maybe this Ansel Keys has a point, this, this, this seven country study. You know, I wasn't discounting anything at, at the, in those years. And then, believe it or not, later in the 80s, I think around 86 or 87, some guy calling himself a doctor. I'm not sure if he was a doctor or not. A, a guy named Robert Haas wrote a book called Eat to Win. And um, he claimed that he was the one that took all of the extra weight off of uh, Martina Navratilova. And he was saying that fat burns in the flame of carbohydrates. So then I started looking into that. And that didn't make sense to me. You know, but guess what? That's when everyone started eating pasta as a health food. To lose weight because Robert Haas wrote it in a book and Martina Navratilova was winning championships. So everyone jumped on board. <laughs> that little bit of information and then how it gets uh, put out there. Yeah. And by the way, she distanced herself from that guy really fast saying, I have no idea who this guy really is. And uh, I have no part of what he's saying. And she even distanced herself from Robert Haas. But that's another whole story. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, I've been there from the beginning watching this stuff and reading about it and learning about it. And that's where my education came from. Well, and it sounds like the other thing that Vinny is that you've been a lifelong learner. You can, you continually learn. And when you have a podcast, just like I, I do, I mean, we're, we're in these opportune positions where we get to talk to these, you know, leading experts who are out there and maybe doing research or whatever. And so we can continue to learn. But even prior to your podcast, it sounds like you've had this growth mindset and always been willing to learn and grow. Yeah, you know, I, I talked about that a lot in my, my book, uh, <clears throat> Fitness Confidential. <laughs> um, I, I talked a lot about, you know, starting when I was like eight or nine years old, you know, in the swamps of Louisiana, you know, just trying to be, you know, this fitness guy because I saw Jack LaLanne on television one day and, I, you know, I realized that, hey, if you lift something over your head, you can look like Jack LaLanne. And that's where the education started. And that's important. Um, I want to go, there's a, there's, before we run out of time again, I, w- I want to talk about because for, you know, I have a lot of women listeners, I have men listeners too, but right now is a key time because the school year is starting, Right. And when you talk about NSNG, one of the things that I thought you can maybe help address is how do people do like NSNG lunches, especially for their kids? So difficult it is. Um, I get this question all the time. Um, 
folks, and this is coming from the NSNG guy, do not be afraid to use two slices of bread to make a sandwich for your kid. You can do that. Um, I would rather see people send their kids to school with a lunch versus what they might eat at school. You can't trust what they're going to give them at school. Just make sure that besides those two slices of bread, if that's what you're going to use, that you're not putting in there two slices of bread and a ding-dong. Do they still make ding-dongs? I don't know. <laughs> Do you know what a ding-dong is? Yes, yes. You're talking to the girl who, as a freshman in high school, would have morning practice. I'd walk across the street to the grocery store, and I'd eat two Ho-Hos and a chocolate milk and then go off to school. And I was a stick. But I, you know, and that's, but so I remember what ding-dongs were because I was eating the Ho-Hos. I would never let my kids eat that now. <laughs> well, when you think about it, swimmers have the worst diets of anyone ever well so you hear here's something and this is um uh so anyways one of the things that because in swimming we we we, yeah i mean michael phelps i don't know if you remember in 2012 and how much nbc or in 2008 one of those olympics they were talking about michael phelps's diet and what he eats and 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 the, the the sheer volume i mean there were times in my career that i could not keep weight on right and because of how much that we train and stuff but uh Unfortunately, what happens is that when you retire from the sport and you maintain those same eating habits, then you start to balloon up. But yeah, swimmers have the worst diet. And the the thing is, is that, and maybe it was just me and the groups that I went through and the teams that I were on, but we thought of health as how we looked and not really what was going on on the inside of our bodies. And um, currently, my husband has an athlete who um, has, a, he's always been very, you know, his physique has always been fine. But he has a lot of internal health issues. And the thing working with the people that we're working with, the only thing that we can really figure out is maybe it was the nutrition throughout his career. And then when he's an elite level athlete, it's creating limitations for him. There's a lot to be said for that uh, when it comes to athletes. Um, you know, it's it's weird. Because, you know, I'm trying to think of, we've had her on the show. Maybe you can tell me who it is. Uh, the doctor who... Sarah, Gott- uh, Sarah Gottfried? No, not Sarah. The other one that works with the uh, Lakers. Oh, Kate Shanahan. Kate, thank you. Oh, yeah, I can't remember anyone's <laughs> names. Let the me just help a, you out, Vinny. <laughs> the woman's actually a friend of mine now, and I couldn't tell you her name. Um, Kate Shanahan, you know, w- you know, walked into the Lakers organization and found out that these basketball players that look like they were chiseled from marble, you know, they look great. They have the worst diets in the world. Literally, one of the guys she was working with would live on Skittles because that's what athletes do. <laughs> hey, I look good or go, I'm good, which is not exactly the case, right? But we see that all the time. Look, I worked with the swimmers at Tulane. As the assistant coach, I, I had the swimmers. Nobody else wanted to deal with them. These are people who didn't wear shoes most of the time. And you know, they gave them to me and they would come out of the pool and I was in charge of dry land. Now, I know that sounds mm-hmm. weird, but that's what you guys call it. That is what we call it. And I was in charge of dry land <clears throat> and they would get out of the pool and they would go right in. You know, they would all come with their hands stuck in a Doritos bag or they would have ding-dongs or ho-hos, which all oddly sound like sexual terms nowadays, <laughs> you know. Um, but... They would eat all of this junk, and I'm looking at it going, how? Why? And it was like, well, 
look at me. I'm, I'm as tight as a drum. Uh-huh. But, you know, come on. I can eat whatever I want. But all of those people got heavy as soon as their careers were over with. Yep. Every one of them. Yep. No, I mean, and that's the unfortunate thing because the message, we'll see in, in the history of swimming. So I'm, I'm 42. So when I went to college was 1990. But uh, there were a lot, a lot of collegiate programs and there was an era of coaching where the coaches really um, tr- were very much on the female swimmers and their weight. They'd have weigh-ins and that created a lot of eating disorders, either anorexia or bulimia. You usually couldn't be a swimmer and be anorexic. It just you weren't going to be able to sustain yourself. So there's a lot of bulimia in the sport up until the 80s. Um, and then so then the message was, oh, well, you just have to eat low fat and it's just about discipline and control. And so that that was always the message that was being sent out. And then it, the message started to change about, okay, now you need to have energy and fuel yourself. Um, but, you know, now, like I said, as we're, as we're going into looking at these, well, one is I'm looking at um, a youth population who is very different than 20 years ago or 21 years ago when I first started coaching, very different than when I was swimming 30 years ago and also dealing with elite level athletes and who would say to one of the sports nutritionists and when he was in college is if I eat this, you know, package of Skittles and I drink a V8, isn't that good nutrition? I'm getting all my colors and I'm drinking a V8. And that was how he rationalized it. But then he had a lot of connective tissue issues and there's been other stuff that's been happening. And, you know, the things that I'm learning is that the nutrition that we put in is so important and it's just not physically how you look. A a truer statement has never been said. Um, It's not just about throwing junk calories in. Mm -hmm. Our bodies need certain nutrients. You know, we talked about that in the last show. It's it's why I created a vitamin. Mm -hmm. You saw how I just snuck that in? I saw that. You're good. Um, <laughs> pure vitamin cloth. Um, anyway, you know, it, it's, you know, good nutrition is everything. And by the way, it's not about just taking a, a vitamin. It's about eating, you know, getting all the phytonutrients that you could get in their proper way from fruit and vegetable and from meat. You know, if athletes ate like that, then they would be so much, you know, if you're an average athlete, you would be better. If you're a great athlete, you would be even greater. But most of them don't eat that way. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Phelps. You know, they were talking about all the junk he, oh, okay. 12,000 calories a day. And this and I, I was sitting there cringing going, oh, boy, here we go. I'm going to have my work cut out for me for the next two years explaining to everyone that not everyone gets to eat that way. Now, this conversation is kind of flying in the face of what we said in the last show where I said, you know, exercise is a very poor way to lose weight. Mm-hmm. It still is in this show. And I know it sounds like you're saying, well, these athletes kept it off. But these athletes are special people. They're not you, folks. Yeah, I mean, the the thing is, is that their hormone levels are fine. They're young, right? And they're growing. And then they're training. I mean, Phelps was training, you know, 20 to 30 hours a week. At, at And the velocities and the intensity that he's training at are really, really high. So, you know, people don't, the, the workouts that, you know, people get so impressed with, my husband will say this all the time of, you know, his, Phelps at the Olympics. My husband's been at the Olympic Training Center or, you know, in 2012, he was on the pool decks with Phelps and watched the practices that Phelps did you know, as they were, you know, the six weeks leading into the Olympics. I mean, the stuff that that man does, I mean, we, we, in the swimming world, we call him non-human. He's like part fish 
but he worked the his training capacities are quite high and intense. So that's something that, you know, I agree with you when the average American is watching that and saying, Oh, I'm gonna put my kid on a swim team because then they're gonna be able to eat volumes of food. Well, their kid may be floating and versus, you know, Phelps who his heart rate's really high and his velocity's high and his in his lines of swimming are incredibly tight and their kids more like a doughboy, you know, out in the water and right. just kind of floating. Yeah, people just don't get that. You know, um, whenever I train for an ultra, uh, which is not much lately, you know, literally that's 25 and 30 hours a week of aerobic activity mm-hmm. and not just, you know, ambling around on a bike. That's, you know, mountain climbing. That's, you know, that's hammer down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you know, your body just needs a lot more calories to do that. And that's hard to explain to the normal person because, you know, when I train for those things, I, I even drop even lower. I go down to 158 to 162. And, oh, you, well, you're losing weight with exercise. Well, yeah, by definition, you know, if you just take the thermodynamics of it all, mm-hmm. I, I can't possibly even eat enough to keep up, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But th- most people aren't going to work at that intensity or put in that time, nor can they do that. So, um, so I want to go back to your point about the NSNG lunches for kids. We don't have to be in the state of panic, right? And it's still about it, what I think your big message is eat quality foods. And, um, and if you're putting a couple pl- p- slices of bread in a sandwich, that's okay. And that's better than the alternative of eating the school lunches. It's way better. And just to give the mommies out there, unless you're a single dad, that, that's horrible to say because dads can pack lunches too, <laughs> yes. right? If they're, yes. is, is that what guys are doing nowadays? Yes, they do. There's a lot of dads that do that. Because I barely know my stepdaughter, even though she's in the next room. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what she's up to. Yeah, but she's also older. Yeah, now she is. But yeah. she, she was uh, 10. I mean, she's, yeah. she's almost 18 now. Yeah. Um, I love that kid, by the way. She just got back from visiting colleges on the East Coast, which means Uh-oh. this is this is it for us, man. Next, you know, we get one more year and she's gone. Yep. Oh man, it, how old are your kids? Um. Well, so I have a blended family. I have two bonus kids who are now twenty eight and twenty four, and then and I started raising them when they were six and three, and then we have two more kids who are fourteen and twelve. So, yeah, and it goes, you know, and because I've coached swimming for so long and, you know, I have kids now that are in their 30s and um, so I've seen them grow up and they were little and then with my bonus kids growing up and going on and then now my, and I really realize how fast it goes. So, you know, my daughter's in ninth, just starting ninth grade. So it's, it's, we're going to be done really quick here. Wow. Yeah. Well, getting back to what I was going to say about <laughs> kids and lunch. Because believe it or not, I got to tell you, here, here we go sidestepping again. Today, you're my first podcast that I'm doing someone else's show. Then at 1230, 10 minutes ago, I was supposed to start <laughs> recording with Tony Patero to do a one-on-one. And then I have two one-on-ones right behind that. Well, we and better then, get going. And wait, wait, I'm not done yet. And then I'm on someone else's podcast from six to seven. And in the middle of all that, you and I just added another podcast. This might be a history for me. So one, two, three, four. I think I'm doing six podcasts today. <laughs> well, then you're going to forget all about these two podcasts we did together, Vinny. I've already forgotten about the first one. The bottom line is, is people, you know, I, you know when Pat Flynn and, and uh, Entrepreneur on Fire, what's his name? John uh, Dumas. John Lee Dumas. Dumas. 
all these guys call me up and they go, how did you get so big so fast? Because I've only been doing it for two years, right? Mm -hmm. And I tell them there's nothing passive about passive income at all. Mm -hmm. And folks, that's the takeaway. You want to get good at something, whether it's sports, school, you, you do it more than anyone else. You know why Jimi Hendrix was Jimi Hendrix? Because he wouldn't stop. Mm -hmm. It's how he killed himself. He couldn't stop, so he took a sleeping pill and killed himself. <laughs> That's literally what happened to Jimi Hendrix. But anyway, getting back to kids in school. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry you got to deal with me. We don't have Anna here to rein you in. No, you're <laughs> supposed to be Anna. Jesus Christ. What's wrong with you? I'm, okay. just, I'm laughing so much on this end. <laughs> okay. Folks. The problem is not the two slices of bread in the lunch pail. By the way, do they still put like kiss on the, the front of the lunch pail or who's on the front? Do they do lunch pails anymore? No, now it's all the zipper bags or now I was just at the grocery store this morning. They have all the um, stainless steel things, you know, and trying to. So, oh, God. Yeah. So th there's no like Scooby-Doo lunch pails anymore? Though they still have them. I mean, my kids are older, right? So they're way too cool to do that. Um there there were there's there were there have been character stuff. There's those plastic ones, but they're moving more to more the stainless steel because of the whole BPA thing. At least in my town. I live I live in a highly educated university town. So uh, where people <laughs> fart into wine glasses and then sniff it. One of those. <laughs> I didn't know about that. <laughs> okay. So, okay, so here's what should be in that lunch pail. You ready? Yes. Here's what should not, no, not what should be in it. Here's what should not be in it. Any kind of fruit juice, apple juice, orange juice, pineapple juice, no fruit juice. It's full of sugar, folks. You're not helping your kid. They're not getting any vitamin. They're getting nothing but a big old sugar hit. And if you want your kid to be dumb, put fruit juice in there because after they drink it and they get that, that, that glucose spike and that glycogen load, they will crash right in the middle of algebra class and they will be the dumbest kid around. Mm -hmm. Fruit juice equals dumb. Yep. If you're putting bread in your lunch pail, that's enough carbohydrates. That's enough grain. You don't have to add something like a, uh, uh, what are those things, uh, applesauce. You want your kid to have fruit? Give them an apple. And no, it's not the same thing. Applesauce is um, cooked down and is, it's refined and it's a lot more sugary. The apple, the sugar is in the, uh, the fiber. Therefore, your kid won't get a glycogen spike and your kid will be smarter. So if you want Johnny to be smarter, give him an apple or an orange or a carrot or anything like that. Don't give him a fruit juice. Don't give him applesauce. Stay away from the ding-dongs and the ho-hos or any kind of fruit roll-up type product off the table. Anything else goes. So that's great because now people don't have to freak out, oh, NSNG means no grains. But realistically for the kids, throw some meat in there, put two slices of bread, get some whole foods in there, and take water or something, and you're good to go. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Vinny, thank you so much. This has been great talking with you. I'm sorry that now I've made you late for other things today. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'm going to be here until 9 o'clock tonight, and then I'm going to have a scotch. <laughs> Folks, do not give your kids scotch. <laughs> Very bad idea. Do you have two takeaways for the listeners before we close this up? Yes. 
look both ways before you cross the street. That's a great idea. <laughs> that wasn't really where I thought we were going, but okay. Wait, you said two, right? I said two. Oh, no. Flossing is more important than brushing, but do both. <laughs> All right, Vinny. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. That was my second interview or part two of my interview with Vinny Tortorich when we talked about what are good fats and the NSNG lunches. And a couple things that as we were talking and I was thinking about this is um, it's really important. Like we get a little bit of information and what I have seen with people do is we take that and then we become, we can become fanatic about it. And that was why when Vinny said, hey, look, if it's your kids and it's about what are you packing them for lunch, don't sweat it. Put in two slices of bread, throw in some meat, and then build the rest out with whole foods, right? Not with applesauce or with pita chips or Doritos. They've already got the carbs in there. And, and when he means carbs, he's the grains, right? And then add to it. It doesn't have to be perfect. And you know, that was one of the reasons that I wanted to bring Vinny onto my show was to talk about this. How do you do, how can you fuel yourself and your family in a realistic manner that works with your family's values, your time constraints, your financial budgets, right? And I know this, we're all really, really busy. So how do you make it happen? And sometimes diets can feel really restrictive because, oh, it has to be this or it has to be that. And you start to like get really tense because there's so much energy in doing it perfectly. And my stance is it's not about doing it perfectly. It's about how can you live in line with your values? How can you live in line with your priorities? And that's the important message that I want you to take away today. As you think about, you know, how, what are things that you can tweak? How does your body feel better with these things that we talked about? And then something else is in the interview, Vinny and I are talking about uh, Michael Phelps and elite athletes or ultra running or ultra cycling like Vinny does. And I think an important concept that we forgot to mention is that, you know, there's quite a bit of caloric um, reduction that goes on when people train at that level, right? Well, we take that information and then we say, hey, I'm going to have my kid go join the swim team. or I'm going to have my kid go play soccer. or I'm going to have my kid because I want them to have health and wellness. But with that, without realizing that swimming is not swimming, right? Swimming an hour is different. A day is different than swimming 20 hours a week, you know, and understanding what those differences are and fueling your child or your own body to what's in accordance to the lifestyle that you're living and not doing it from, am I being good or am I being bad? Right. But really about what are you physically doing? You know, when does it become necessary to increase your food loads or um, maybe have, you know, an additional supplement. And when I mean by supplement, I'm talking about some of our, uh, you know, some of the drinks, the sports drinks that we have out there. And I know Vinny has his opinions about those things too. But just to give a little bit of clarity about that, sometimes we take, oh, well, Michael Phelps is eating this much, so I should be able to eat this much. Well, the reality is, is that most of us aren't training that much. So, you know, looking at, there's no blueprint, looking at what works for you? What are your body's needs? What are your financial realities, right? What do you like to eat? And when you eat those foods, how does your body feel? And that's the important thing. There's no tie to your worthiness as a person. It's not about are you being a good person or a bad person, right? We don't need to invite shame along. It's just about how does your body feel, 
right? Whether you go to a gas station, um, we have all sorts of different ones here in California, but the gas station you choose is not necessarily a reflection of who you are. You put gas in your car to fuel it, right? So that you can keep moving. Food is our fuel so that our bodies can move and thrive. And it's about finding the right quality that works for you. It's not about celebrating, oh, I've been restrictive and um, I'm such a good person, right? Some people may take that Vinny's no sugars, no grains as being really restrictive. And the thing I invite you to test is how does your body feel? When does your body feel best and when does it not feel good? And I believe that things are on a continuum. So what subtle changes can you make that allows your body to feel better? Thanks for listening today. My guest was Vinny Tortorich. I will have links to his website and his podcast and his book all on the interview page. Thanks for listening to How She Really Does It. I invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter at howshereallydoesit.com. I do this show each week for you so you can now see the windows of possibilities in your own life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself if that is possible for them. What is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www.howshereallydoesit.com. And thanks for listening today. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting, never been so wide.